Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Mark 4, 1 through 34. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Mark in your Bible. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some, fe- some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly, since it had no depth of of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those who were around him, along with the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything comes in parables, in order that they may indeed look but not perceive, and may indeed listen but not understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root, and endure only for a while. Then, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are, are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown on the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. He said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the, under the bed and not on the lampstand? For there is nothing hid, hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with, hear, with ears to hear listen. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. The measure you give will be the measure you get, and still more will be given you. For to those who have, more will be given. And from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. 
With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. Thank you, Sam. That is the word of the Lord for us today. Uh, Kind of a lengthy section of scripture. And so this is either going to be like the shortest sermon or the longest one I've ever preached. Um, What I kind of want to try to communicate to you today is um, that the kingdom of God uh, isn't always about what we expect or what we're looking for uh, from Jesus. Uh, The kingdom, uh, wow, man, this this might be rough. This might be rough. If I can read my own writing, actually. Okay, so we'll we'll abandon what I've actually written down there because obviously it's not working. The kingdom of God isn't always what we expect it to be. This wasn't the case for Jesus' Jesus' world. Uh, And Jesus will use parables to help his followers understand what it is that the kingdom of God is like. Uh, So that's that's the the point of the sermon. Now we're going to look at each of these little parables in turn. If you were to just sit down and read this, uh, you might say, what do all of these parables have in common? Uh, a lot of times pe- people will preach on just like one of those parables in isolation from the rest of them. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but it is uh, maybe not necessarily how Mark intended to craft the story that he's telling. Uh, and, and, or has Jesus communicated it to his followers? Uh, we're in the Gospel of Mark, and we're only about four chapters in, uh, but things move really, really fast in the Gospel of Mark, and so uh, we're already past... Uh, well, he's, he's hanging out, and he's teaching, and he's healing, and he's doing stuff. Uh, he's gone to his hometown, Jesus has, and he's gotten in a little bit of trouble there because his mother and his brothers wanted to see him, and he's like, no, uh, the rest of these folks are my mothers and my brothers, and he didn't, he didn't see mom, which got him in trouble with, uh, with the crowd and with mom, I am pretty certain. Uh, but he does this to help, uh, to help well, them explain that what he's doing Everything that, that Jesus is doing, his life and all of his teachings, healings and all those things, isn't just for his family uh, or his tribe or just even the nation of Israel, but it's for all of people in all places in all times. That the kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing is, it is for all people. Now, that, that didn't sit so well a little bit with uh, his family and friends because the Jews thought, well, they were God's special people. And they were, but they kind of got greedy with God's salvation and they wanted to hold it all for themselves. And Jesus is saying, no, no, that's not the kingdom of God. Well, uh, he's going to speak in parables. And so I guess we we have to kind of ask ourselves, um, well, actually, before that, uh, this is is what I'm going to say all of these parables mean. And this will make sense, hopefully, by the time we get to the end of the sermon. The kingdom of God is extravagantly given frustratingly successful, hidden yet revealing, mysterious in the way that it grows, small and insignificant, yet full of life, yet full and life-giving. This will make sense, hopefully, by the time we get together, but this is where we are going with this. Uh, I think this makes part of the sense of what I'm trying to say is that the, the kingdom of God is not what we always anticipated that it should be. Uh, Jesus uses parables a lot to teach. 
And t- parables can be really tricky. In fact, in seminary, I had an entire class on parables, and I have no idea what I learned in that class. <laughs> it was a rough class. And, uh, and they're just, they're, they're difficult because parables are stories that have parables, parallels to life uh, as we know it. But that, that try to tease the imagination of those who are hearing it into seeing the world in a slightly different way. Uh, so I've got, uh, I call this the boring quote because it's the guy who wrote it, is named, his last name is Boring. But this is kind of a technical, uh, technical quote, but I think it gets at what we're saying. Parables generate new meaning in new situations. While a parable cannot mean simply anything, it's not a Rorschach blot, it has no meaning that cannot be ferreted out by objective meanings, methods. It takes on meanings, meanings as it gently forces the hearer and the reader to participate in the construction of meaning. This process can subvert the life world of the hearer, opening up a new vision of reality. Parables thus often function by beginning in the familiar world of the hearer, but then they present a different vision of the world that changes the everyday ex- expectations of the hearers. Parables, and, and that may fly over your head, that's okay, but it's, parables are meant Jesus means these parables to speak into his hearers' lives, into our lives, and to disrupt how we understand the world works. That it it calls us into understanding, especially with this passage here, what the kingdom of God is, and that the kingdom of God isn't always what we expect that it should be. That sometimes we get wrapped up in our own understanding of how the world works, of how we should act and live. When we do that, we read scripture kind of with a closed mind and we don't understand, we don't ha- hear what God is going to say to us. Well, let's get, uh, let's get into, uh, into the parables as they were. Um, we're gonna actually, we're gonna read a couple of them and then we're gonna skip one and come back to it at the end. I hope that's okay. I think this makes sense to me. Um, if it doesn't, I'm sorry. Uh, so he, he starts off and, and he says uh, they've gone out from his hometown and the, a great crowd has gathered around Jesus and his disciples. Uh, so great that it's, it's just kind of oppressive. And so Jesus and his disciples hop into a boat and they go out into the lake a little bit to where he can get se- separation and he sits down and he begins to teach them. And he starts with this. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now something's really, really important here. It's not just listen, but if we, had to, if we had to kind of paraphrase it, it would be look like this. It would say, look and listen up, or take care how you are paying attention to what I am about to say. Uh, it, is, it, it is more than just like hearing something. You guys know the difference between listening and hearing? Like, I can go to a coffee shop and sit down at work, and I can hear the conversations that are going around around me, but I'm not listening to them, at least not most of the time, right? Sometimes you hear, you hear something. And it's, or it's like you're having a conversation, like a, a conversation with somebody who you care about, and they are telling you deep and meaningful things about themselves, and you're just, you're just hearing it, right? Like maybe your, your mind is wandering just a little bit, and you're maybe somewhere else, and you haven't listened to what they are saying. You haven't actively engaged yourselves in the dialogue and what the other person 
is saying. So Jesus stands up in front of this great crowd and he says, listen up, pay attention, invest yourselves in how you are going to hear what I am going to say. Uh, I think this fits with the idea that parables invite us in to help create the meaning of what they mean in our situation here and now. That doesn't mean they just mean anything, right? Um, We said that. Well, sower goes, and uh, he goes, and he just takes his little bag of seed, I can imagine, on his hip. I don't know, I have a a picture that's probably more like 19th century America than first century Jewish planting. Imagine just walking around this field, throwing the seed all over the place, and uh, in, in our imagination, like this seems maybe a little bit, well, a little bit risky, right? Because I'm not a farmer, but I've seen enough farmer-type things that, that that's not how farming is done. Like you, you put the seed where exactly you want it to be in nice, neat rows, and it's, you know, there's no waste. But that's not kind of how, how it was done. He, he throws it, and so some of the seed lands on the path. And birds come and eat it. Some land on the good soil and, and it grows up really good. Some land in shallow, rocky soil that begins to grow, but then because there's no root when it gets dry, the plants wither and die. And some, some land in weed-infested areas uh, that get choked out by the other things that are around them. Well, it might help to understand just a little bit how farming in the first century worked. He, the farmer would have gone and he would have thrown all the seed all around and he wouldn't have really cared. In fact, one statistic I said that was like one out of every four seeds that a farmer would plant actually germinated and produced anything. Uh, so they would have thrown the seed all over the field and uh, maybe some of it gets where he doesn't intend to it. But then he would come back after throwing the seed on the ground and he would come back and plow everything everything under. So this makes, this makes uh, a little bit more sense maybe in that particular context. But Jesus does this and, and his disciples and those around him are like, ah, we don't understand this. And uh, uh, he comes back and they, they gather together. Uh, Mark says that uh, he taught in many parables and so we're not probably getting all of the parables that Jesus told his disciples that day. But later on, they gathered together, and uh, when they were alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but those outside, on the outside, everything is said to be in parables, so that they may never be, be, may ever be seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, that's some, that's some pretty crazy, that's like harsh language, right? It, it almost sounds like, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying, I'm talking in parables intentionally so that those, well, so that certain people won't ever under, understand and my salvation won't be for them. Do you, do you kind of feel that, that out of this particular reading? Uh, but I don't think that's what Jesus is, is going for because I think, I think at the end of the day, like Jesus understands that there are people who are going to be actively engaged in listening and hearing and learning what Jesus is saying and understanding things, and, and God will help them understand even more. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a little bit. But Jesus is intentionally using these parables to disrupt their world just a little bit uh, to the point where that, that if you're not paying attention, if you aren't actively involved, 
The best things in life require your work. Your, your marriage requires a lot of work. Raising your kids require a lot of work. Becoming good at your job requires a lot of work. I think it's the same for the kingdom of God. It's the same for understanding what, what God is trying to call us to and what God is trying to say us to. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that like, we're earning our salvation, right? Not, not at all. Like it's, a, it's a gift that God gives us. But it takes our participation in understanding what the kingdom of God looks like. Jesus goes on and he, he uh, explains the parable and he's like, well, the, uh, the seed is the word of God and it is sown and it is just, you know, some places it works and a lot of other places it doesn't. So that's why I ended up saying, uh, I'm going to find it here. The kingdom of God is given extravagantly because Jesus is, is saying like it's not, it's not being thrown really neatly, right? Uh, it's given freely and openly and extravagantly to everybody. The kingdom of God is extravagantly given, maybe even wastefully, generously, and in some ways it is frustratingly successful. Sometimes you may not always know, at least as far as the parable concerned, why that particular seed germinated and grew anything and produced fruit. Uh, now, this parable alone, uh, it's not enough for us to understand kind of what's going on. So we need to, to keep it together with the parables that are around it. Uh, we're going to skip for Mark 4, 21 through 25, and we're going to come back to it. Uh, so if you're following along, don't think I've just hopped over it. We'll come back. A little later on, he said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, and then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. So the second parable, we're, we're sticking with the agricultural theme. Farmer, a second farmer, he goes out and he plants his field and he has no idea of the science behind how it works, right? You and I know a little bit more about science, science-y things, about plants. Uh, that's something you learn early on in school, right? You got a little seed, and it goes into the ground, and it requires some water and some nutrients from the soil, and it kind of dies, but then it sprouts a little sprout and begins to grow and do its thing. Uh, but I don't think they understood that. I don't think this farmer knows. But he goes out and he goes out every day to check on his crop. He doesn't know how it is working, but he knows that it is. And he trusts that there soon will be a harvest. Now, we know the science. I, I think maybe a better parable, if we were to change this, uh, it, it, it would be like, now we have some, we have some pregnant folks, right? Uh, when, when you get pregnant, you... It, uh, we don't know how the body works. I mean, we do. Science-y people do. I don't. Uh, I, don't I, I generally know the biology of it, right? Um, but I don't know all of the intricate little things that happen in the human body, that, that the miracle that is a woman growing another human being. So maybe think of it as, the kingdom of God is like 
a, a husband and a wife who become pregnant and they don't know, they, they're not really sure how all of this is working inside. It is hidden and it is mysterious, but yet it grows and it grows and each day they can see progress going and going. And lo and behold, they will know when it is time to harvest. I'm assuming you will, maybe. So. I was planning on picking on Laura Griggs, but she's somewhere else, so. You know when the time is right to harvest. I think we can say from this one that the kingdom of God is mysterious, just like a seed and how it grows was mysterious. Okay, the kingdom of God is mysterious in the way that it grows. Oh, we plant the seed. Well, God plants the seed. And we know not how it grows we know that the kingdom of God, what God is doing in our world to bring about salvation and restoration is growing. And that one day we will know when the things are done and it is time to harvest and God will make all things right again. Well, we'll, we'll go a little farther. He says, again, what shall we can say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed uh, you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. A couple of things here. Uh, Mustard seed is really tiny. Uh, In fact, I think we have some somewhere at our house for illustrative purposes, but it would do you no good because it's really tiny. Uh, it is not necessarily a plant that they would have planted because it's kind of invasive. Uh, it starts out really, really small, but then it just explodes and it grows and it grows and it takes over the places where it has been. And eventually it grows so large that birds and animals are able to take refuge in its, in its branches. The kingdom of God is small and seemingly insignificant, yet full of life. See, a lot of times we think that things are small, like that they're insignificant. Uh, I was working through this in my head just a little bit. This may not hold because of, like, electronics, right? Uh, We like small electronics, because then they're not as obtrusive. I don't know, unless you get, like, the giant iPhone. Uh, But a lot of times we think that things are small or insignificant and and trivial. Uh, And especially if we compare a shrub, which Jesus calls the mustard bush, a shrub, to a giant tree. Like the the glory and the grandeur of a tree is something to behold. You know, if you go to the Pacific Northwest and see the giant redwoods, that is important and impressive and big. When you put a mustard shrub Beside it, it is small and insignificant. The kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is small and seemingly insignificant. But yet it grows and grows and is large. And one day all people will take refuge in its shade. The kingdom of God is small and seemingly insignificant. All right, we got to go back. Got to go back to this other one because I think, I hope this will all tie it back. He said to them, 
Do you bring in lamp, a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on your stand, on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you, are, uh, what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Uh, again, back to the hearing and the listening. Uh, now we can hear all these parables about how the kingdom of God is small and insignificant or how it, is, um, how it is mysterious in the way that it grows or how extravagantly it is sown and, and maybe even wastefully so. We can read all of these things And if we are not, well, the whole Bible, in fact, actually. But if we aren't actually hearing and listening, if we aren't investing ourselves in actively trying to understand what God is saying, then I think we end up missing it. See, I think Jesus understands that there has always been and always will be people who who just reject the things that they hear. And to find themselves out on the outside. So I don't think Jesus is saying, whoever, whoever has will be given more in that, like, material things. That's not at all I don't think what he's saying. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. I don't think Jesus is saying, I'm just going to, you know, capriciously take from one and give to another without, without regard to who they are. Jesus is saying, those who seek after God the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Uh, How the world, how God has created the world to work, the way that God is working through the power of the Spirit to make things right again, how we might discern how we act in this world as people who confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When we throw ourselves into that task of seeking after God and seeking what God might have us to do, God begins to reveal to us more and more who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. But when we don't listen, we don't actively apply ourselves to hearing. It's not that God doesn't want to help us to understand. God's not going to force us to understand. God's not going to force us to be the people that he has lovingly called us to be. I don't know if any of this makes sense. Uh, what I know, though, is that the kingdom of God, there's a lot of people who think they know what the kingdom of God is and what it looks like for us here and now. And some of them are, might be right. I don't know. But what I do know is that what we are to do as the people of God is to give ourselves to actively seeking to understand what God is saying to us through his word. As we gather together to worship even, to sing songs, as we do life with one another, as we share meals, as we go on road trips, as we study the Bible together. I I think, I think that uh, everyone is so sure that they know what the right thing is these days. 
you just have to get on social media for that. That's, that's not the posture that God is asking us to take. Not with what he's trying to communicate us and, and maybe not even with the world. Sure, I'm convinced that Jesus is the only way. I'm convinced that the kingdom of God looks like the cross, which is a self-sacrificial love that's emptying of itself, that is forgiving and merciful, that forgives sinners who are even in the act of, you know, murder. But I think our, our posture together must be, Lord, help us to see Help us to know who we are. Help us to, to understand how we relate to the world around us and to be able to communicate all of the wonderful good news that you and I have received. I think that's the biggest challenge of the church today is to discern how we best share the good news that we have been given with those around us. And that we do it by inviting other people into this process of discerning what it is that God is saying to us. We're going to, uh, we're going to re- receive the Lord's Supper. And I, I, I really think uh, that when we do this, that it's part of how we discern. Like, like because it is a meal that remembers who Jesus was and what Jesus did that we come to the bread and the cup and we say, Lord, reveal to me who you are and who I'm supposed to be. Lord, reveal to us who we are as a church and how we're supposed to act in our world. As we, um, just a second, I'll have you guys stand and you'll come down the center aisle and you can go that way. And we've got individual bread and cup for you today. I've tried to loosen them so they're easy to take out. We'll see. As you're in line coming forward, I want you to maybe pray this prayer. And then maybe as we sing afterwards. Lord, help me to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Help me to let go of all of my assumptions about how things are so that I can understand what you're calling us to do or who you're calling us to be or that I can understand how, you, how your kingdom works in its fullest sense. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.